The Bible is about the glory of God through the redemption of man. And that redemption, that story of redemption that we see in the Bible, that we are gathered here tonight about, that story is found in the gospel. We've been going through this series, What is the Gospel? And that gospel can be divided into four different parts. We've already looked at two of those parts or two of those chapters. The first one we looked at, the first part was all about God who he is and what he's done. We saw that God, the gospel is centered around God. He is the creator of everything and he is holy. He is completely set apart from sin. In that second part of the gospel, the second part of the story of redemption, we looked at man and saw that the gospel reveals man's fallenness and need of a savior. We are dead in our trespasses and sins, and we deserve judgment. This element, this new person in this story creates, it introduces the tension of the whole story. How will God, the center of the gospel, respond to our rebellion? How will God, the merciful and gracious God to sinners, the one who forgives iniquities and transgressions, how will that God also be the God who is just, who will by no means clear the guilty? That's the tension that we have in the gospel. We know who God is, and then we look at where man is, and there's this tension. How is God going to fix this? The third part of the gospel leads us to the climax of the story. It's the climax of the story of redemption where the Son of God became man. He died on the cross and rose again. Last week we looked at the first part of that climax when we saw that only the Son of God and the Son of Man could save us by taking our place. Tonight we're going to just briefly look at the death of Jesus. The question that we all must answer is why did Jesus have to die? Why does the good news of the gospel have to include, include the awfulness of the death of Christ? Here's our answer. Because our salvation requires that Christ be our sacrificial substitute. There is no story of redemption if Christ is not our sacrificial substitute. That's what our salvation requires. It's the only way. The good news, though, is that Jesus is the perfect substitute. Last Sunday, we saw that only the Son of God and the Son of Man could save us by taking our place. Why was Jesus able to be our substitute because he was like us. He was the son of man. Hebrews 2, 14 through 15 says, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things. 
Philippians 2, 5 and 8 says that Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. The reason that Jesus can be our substitute is because he was like us. He took on flesh and blood. He was born in the likeness of, man, of men. But if the only criteria was that he would be just like us, why can't everyone be a substitute? After all, we're all of the same kind. But Jesus wasn't an ordinary substitute. An ordinary substitute wouldn't work. He needed to be the perfect substitute. He not only needed to be like us, he needed to be unlike us. Romans 5, 12 says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. All of us are alike in our death. Romans, 3, 20, or Romans 6, 23 says that the payment or the cost of sin is death. We all bear the same debt. We all have the price of sin to pay, except for one man. Jesus was unlike us in that he had no debt. He was unlike us in that he was not born dead in his sins. He was the perfect substitute because he was not like us. In order to be that perfect substitute, Christ both had to be like us in his humanity and unlike us in his perfection. He lived the life that we were meant to live. Now this is great news. We have a perfect substitute. That's good news. Let's finish the story of redemption now. That's a good spot to end, right? But we can't. Because it's not enough that Jesus could have been our substitute. In order to actually be our substitute, he had to take our place. Hebrews 2.17 says, Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation or to make a wrath-absorbing sacrifice for the sins of the people. Our hope and salvation, the reason that we are gathered tonight is not because Jesus could have been our substitute. Our hope is because Jesus became the perfect substitute when he willingly offered his life as the perfect sacrifice. Jesus is the perfect substitute because Jesus is the perfect sacrifice. Remember, sin has a cost. There's a punishment attached to sin. Every sin has a price tag that is death. In the garden, God warned Adam and Eve that that was the cost. Throughout the rest of the Old Testament, God provided reminders of sin and its cost through his law and through the sacrifices. 
Hebrews 9.22, indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Why? Why is the blood necessary? Why is the blood part of our good news? Because again, sin has a cost. The wages of sin is death. But the death of bulls and goats were not enough to save. They were not the perfect substitute. They were not the perfect sacrifice. Hebrews 10, 11 through 14 says, And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But... When Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. The sacrifices weren't enough. They didn't take away sins. But God already knew that. He never planned for his people to be saved through the blood of goats. No, they pointed toward the greater sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice that was Jesus. It is only through Jesus. Jesus did what the sacrifices couldn't do. Goats and bulls were not a like-kind substitute. They couldn't take on the guilt of man. But even if a man were sacrificed, even if we found a man willing to take on our sins, a man could never absorb the wrath and judgment of God. We needed a better substitute, a better sacrifice. Only the Son of God could be a perfect sacrifice. Only the Son of God could absorb all of our death. All of our debt. He was our propitiation. He was our wrath-absorbing sacrifice. It says, by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. He paid the price fully. Our salvation requires that Christ be our sacrificial substitute. This isn't theoretical. This isn't just heady knowledge where we're imagining how could we resolve the conflict between God and man. This actually happened. And it happened at the cross. The perfect substitute and the perfect sacrifice happens at the cross. The cross is where we see Jesus as the perfect substitute and perfect sacrifice where Jesus dies for us. He dies as a man. He takes our place. He's a like-kind substitute. Even though he deserved no judgment, he took our place. He lived the life we could never live and died the death we deserve to die. Jesus died for us, but he died as the perfect sacrifice. He died as God. Christ absorbed the wrath that was meant for us. On the cross, we see our perfect substitute become the perfect sacrifice, and it worked. John 19.30, 
Jesus said, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It is finished. Christ, our substitute, he takes that eternal punishment that we deserved. And he pays it once and for all. There is no story of redemption if Christ is not our substitute, if Christ is not our sacrifice. Our salvation requires that Christ be our sacrificial substitute. So what now? If you're here and you have not placed your faith in Christ alone, then he is not your substitute. Romans 3 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That's what's being offered. Christ, whom God put forward as the wrath-absorbing sacrifice, as a propitiation by his blood, to be received by faith. Friend, if you have not received that wrath-absorbing sacrifice, then you are still divided. The gospel has not become good news for you yet. Don't wait. Turn to Jesus today. He is your only hope. But brothers and sisters, for us who have already placed our faith in Jesus Christ, what do we do? We remember we reflect on the sacrifice of Christ. While we no longer have sacrifices that continually remind us of the cost of sin, every day we should take time to reflect on the cost of our sins and what Jesus needed to do in order to save us. Every day we should remember that Christ is our sacrificial substitute. Our salvation requires that Christ be our sacrificial substitute, and he was. He paid the price, and on the cross he said, it is finished. <laughs>